Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Excited about what the Lord has over these next few weeks. And uh, then uh, especially excited about all the great things going on, as Sean was saying, and all the announcements. Um, the uh, This weekend with the encounter, and uh, just encourage you, if you haven't signed up for that or you've been thinking about it in any way, uh, just go ahead and do it. What that means is you just take in, in, uh, in our services like this when we come together, we have now, we have, uh, we have just one hour between now and when we get out of here. And in one hour, uh, we can hear some things, we can sing a little bit more, we can pray for each other, but to really allow God to do, how many know you can't, we couldn't do open heart surgery right now? I mean, if you really had a real serious medical need, you know, every now and then you can go to rapid care. You know, you need a couple stitches or something like that. You can go to rapid care. But if you have a serious issue in your life, then you probably need to go and schedule something. They might check you into the hospital. They might need to run a few tests on you. And then they might need to uh, knock you out to do the procedure. Amen. Well, spiritually, we need to allow the Lord to do a checkup on us. And then whatever he has to do, we might need to let him knock us out and uh, do the procedure and by that I mean that just being checked in and giving God the time to do what he needs to do in our life most of the time we go through and and we get kind of band-aids on issues but we don't get really cured and set free and that's the goal Jesus said those who the son is set free are free indeed and by that it means that there should be areas from our past when the Bible says we'll talk about that a little bit this morning about the change of our heart But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And that's a process. And so allowing God to work in your life and setting time aside that says, God, I'm going to check myself in for this this amount of time. And I'm just going to let you do what you know to do. How many have ever gone to the doctor and told him what was wrong with you? And then they ran the test. They said, no, that's what you think is wrong, but this is what's actually what's going on in your body. Well, that's kind of the same things in our lives. And this morning we'll be talking about the heart. And we can say, Lord, this is what's going on. God, this is what's wrong in my life. I need you to fix this. I need you to fix this. If you fix this, if you fix that. Like God needed us to give him the information of what we need to do in our life. Amen. Instead of just going, hey, Lord, you know what? I'm going to check in. I'm going to let you do what you know you need to do in my life. And that's what the encounter does. It's about bringing us to the cross, getting us through the cross, and learning how to live in the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And so we encourage you. We do one in the spring, and we do one in the fall. It's just a great time. It's amazing every time we do this. It's a fourth year of doing these and just seeing what God does in people's lives and in the lives of those that are part of putting it on. It's a great time. And then uh, that's just so exciting. And if you can help with the yard sale, you have any items that you could donate to contribute to that, that'd be awesome. Uh, and that goes for Courage Worldwide, which helps with sex trafficking uh, for our young girls and stuff. And when we had Jenny up here last November before the dinner that we did, uh, most of us were kind of shocked when we found out when I first met her, the first little girl she adopted uh, out of s- who would come out of sex trafficking was actually sold right here out of Diamond Springs. Her mother sold her into uh, uh, that situation uh, due to drugs and other things in her life. So we think, well, we live up here in the foothills. We don't live in inner cities. We don't live where all the crap. Everything is in your backyard. And uh, so your help. And so last year we had the fundraiser dinner, but this goes to help as well. Amen. And then how many excited about it? Isn't the Father's Day sound cool? Yeah. That sounds so cool. We get to do church at the fairground on the Budweiser stage. Bud might make you wiser, but only God can give you life. 
Amen. So, man, I, I can just think of so many things we could say on that stage. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So uh, it, it's just going to be a great time. Looking forward to that and just having a great time. Being able to just do worship and blow it up. They get to listen to everything they have. We just take the Holy Ghost and some God-anointed worship in that place. And then they're going to crank it up and everybody's going to listen to us worship. That is crazy. Amen. Just going to be so cool. And you can be a part of that. We'll have some prayer tables there for people who need prayer afterward. You can pray with people. We've got for people to get saved. Amen. Hallelujah. It'll be a blast. Amen. Um, open your Bibles up. Or like, let's not just do that. Just look at the cover of your outline. We have a memory verse for you this morning, and we started doing this, and so I want you to follow along with this. And I just want to encourage you, and I've been making the joke about renaming your bathroom the gym instead of the John. So we have a Lord's gym, so we love everybody to go to the gym. So if you can't make it to the Lord's gym, at least you can get to your home gym. Amen. So first thing in the morning when you get up, go into the gym and maybe post your memory verses there and stuff. And we're talking about maybe making little cards that you can take and put up. But have a memory verse because your mind can still memorize. No matter how old you are, your mind can still memorize. When you got out of school, your brain didn't die. It's good news. Amen? So we can still grow. We can still learn. But John, on there in the cover of your outline, John chapter 14, verse 27, let's read it together. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What a great verse, amen? Reassurance from the Lord. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We're going to talk about God's grace and the transforming power of His grace and how that deals with our hearts today. Let's make this confession together. Father... Today I rest in your peace that passes all understanding. I set my heart upon you to seek and to find you with all my heart. I desire to be transformed and completely changed by the power of your grace working in me from the inside out. Let your word take root in my heart and bring forth the harvest you have ordained for my life. And heart is there based upon my typo. Praise the Lord. Amen. But uh, turn to the inside of your outline, and we want to walk through this this morning. Father, today, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come. Lord, we need what only you can do in our lives. We need our hearts changed. Lord, we can see so many issues around us and so many circumstances and that, that we think need to be made different and need to change. But God, what we need is for our hearts to be changed. That's the very source of our life. So, Father, today we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would come, that you would open our eyes to see something that we've never seen before in your word, that our ears would hear something that we've never heard before, that we would hear it fresh and new once again, and that our hearts would receive your word firmly planted deep within the good soil, and that we would bring forth the harvest that you have truly ordained for every one of our lives. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So look at the inside there of your outline. God's grace is so amazing that it not only saves us, it empowers us to live transformed lives. And Sean and the team just did such a great job on Easter. 
on grace and talking about what grace is. And we heard the testimonies, what grace means to me and all those things. And many times we think about people say, well, I'm saved by grace. But yes, being saved means more than just having my sins forgiven. It looks for me not just having my sins forgiven, which is that amazing part of it that Jesus bore on the cross. He took the handwriting that was against us, every debt and sin and transgression that was against our life. Jesus nailed it to his cross. Amen. And so the debt was canceled, paid in full. But more than that is the transformation of what it means to have new life in God. And so not only are our hearts changed, next week Sean's going to minister on, on the renewing of our mind, the transformation of our mind, and then we're talking about relationships. But this morning, just what God does in our heart. How many found when you got saved, your heart changed? And people look at you and they said, hey, something's different about you, but you're still the same person. But something changed because something happened inside of us. Amen. And uh, so it's an amazing thing. The heart of God is for everyone is not that we stay the same with just our sins forgiven that we but we would be empowered by his grace to live radically transformed lives. The three key areas of grace that empower us to see and experience transformed life. First one is in our heart. Next is in our mind. And third is in our relationships. The purpose of God's grace is for producing radically transformed life. We hear so much about grace. Grace, 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 grace. Okay, great. Grace is great. But what's it for? Amen? That's awesome. Okay, grace, I got it. I believe it. I declare it. But then what's it supposed to do? Because if it is this thing, then I want to know what it is, and I want to know how to use it. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm kind of like the National Enquirer guy. I don't want to know all the dumb stuff. How many know you go to the supermarket, National Enquirer there, used to be that, or all the other stupid tabloids that are there, and you're trying to check out, and you walk by and just watch all the stupid going on in the world? It's crazy stuff. But, but see, I have an inquiring mind about the things of God. I, I don't want to just hear about the things of God. I want to know the things of God. So if you tell me the Bible says this, okay, I believe that. I believe this is God inspired. I believe everything in here. I believe the cover's inspired. I mean, know what I'm saying. I mean, I just believe in the living word of God. But if it's his word, I want to know it. <clears throat> and if it says it has a benefit for my life, I want to know how to receive it, how to walk in it. Amen. It's kind of like in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man. So that's a declaration that God has given something to each and every one of us in this room. Okay, if that's given to me, how do I walk in? How do I receive? How do I participate in what has been given to us? And that's what grace is. Grace is this great gift. Uh, as, as Sean was sharing in the offering, 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 8 is writing to the church at Corinth there. He says, you abound in faith. You abound in serving. You abound in all these great things. When it comes to giving, he says, abound in this grace also. So grace even is an empowerment for us to be able to give. Doing all right? Praise the Lord. So the purpose of God's grace is pro producing radically transformed life. We're saved by grace through faith. The power that saves us also equips us for a life of victory over what used to control us. I remember what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. He says, man, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't do, want to do, I do. 
And so we all lived in that place. Why, why am I in this cycle? Why, why do I seem to be stuck on stupid? Before I got saved, I was perpetually stuck on stupid. I'd get a little bit ahead and then turn around and do something else. And then after I got saved, I find myself, wait a minute, I'm still doing some of these old things, some of those old thoughts. So how do I break that cycle? Well, there has to be a transformation in our life. And grace is the power of renewal in our lives. Amen? A power for renewing that. Transformation is really where old things do pass away, and all things become new. Grace saves us as we are, but it doesn't leave us as we are. How many are thankful? Amen. Amen. I feel like the ship is, our ship is listening today. Everybody's kind of like sitting on this side. They're kind of like keep leaning to the right this morning. Amen. <laughs> think about this. Now, just think, as you read your Bibles and you go through the Bible, every encounter that people had with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the gospel brought about a radical transformation to their lives. It didn't just leave them as they were, but to come in contact with Christ or the gospel of Christ brought transformation to their lives. They shared, Sean shared on Easter Sunday morning about the woman who was caught in adultery. And then Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Nobody else here is condemning you. Where are your accusers? They don't condemn you. I'm not condemning you. Now, come on, get up and go and sin no more. How many of you know that was a transformation in her life? To be able to say, wait a minute, I, you don't, I, I don't, I'm not being seen through eyes of condemnation. You're, you're not judging me. You're not looking upon me. And so to be raised up and be given back value in your life, how, that just changes you. How, how many of you ever feel good when somebody says something good about you or to you? It, 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 fe it feels different, amen? And you go, well, wait a minute. You breathe a little fuller. You breathe a little deeper. You feel a little different. Maybe you stand up a little straighter. And so just that, just a good word. But think about when God comes to us and he looks at all of our past. How many would like your past life put up on the screen right now with that? How many if we could just kind of like, you know, get all your history up there and, 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 and so you like get, you know, I'm going to give my testimony this morning about how I came to Christ. And before you spoke, we just ran the reel of your life. How many would not want that to air besides me? <laughs> I don't want anybody to see that. Amen. And so, but, but knowing what's in our path, and that, the reason we're raising our head, because man, I know what God did, but grace came and didn't look at us with judgment. It looked at us with forgiveness, and that does something to our heart. That changes and transforms our heart in such a powerful way. So every encounter people had with Christ changed him. You and I are empowered by grace to pursue and maintain being and living Christ-like in this world. Not, not just that we're just changed personally, but it so changes us that we can live like him and we can begin showing God's grace to those that we come in contact with. I'm always amazed that there's things in my personal life and in my personal character and makeup that don't make me a very good candidate for ministry. But under the anointing of God and by the grace of God, that grace empowers me beyond my natural abilities. How many know what I'm saying? And so when it comes to live Christ-like, it is grace that empowers us to do that. God wants us saved more than we want to be saved. How many would agree with that? He wants us healed more than we want to be healed, whole more than we want to be whole. So he provides us with the power of his grace. You're not only saved by grace, you're healed by grace, you're completely made whole by grace. Amen? Amen. 
Think about it. Grace empowers us and then challenges us to continually take the next step in spiritual growth. Second Timothy, it's there in, in, in your outline with me, chapter 2 and verse 1, and they have it up on the screen as well. So you, my son, be strong. Watch this. Strengthen inwardly in the grace. So Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, you, son, be strong, and then be strengthened inwardly in the grace. So grace is not just the, the, the thing that saves us. It now becomes an inner strength in our lives. Amen? Spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 3 and verse 18 encourages, Paul encourages the church, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So grace must be something I can grow in, I can abound in, I can increase in. Amen? So if we just take grace, okay, I got grace, but then are you growing in grace? So if, if I put it that way, here it is, it's there, it's available. How many know that faith, that we can increase our faith? We can grow in faith. We can strengthen, be strong in the Lord. And, and so it's like at the gym, if I go in, every one of us, you know, they, they all give me a bad time because I don't go. And I say, well, I didn't build it for me to work out. I built it for outreach. Amen? The goal of it was to win souls through it, not for me to get in shape. But it wouldn't hurt for me to get in shape, praise the Lord. But anyway, we all have the same muscles, Amen? We just have the same, mu you have muscles, I have muscles, but it, so, so potential is there to look good. The potential is there, but if I don't exercise, if I don't put it to use, we all have the same makeup, everybody has the same muscle structure, the same bone structure, skeletal structure, all that, but if we don't exercise, you look at somebody else and they're more fit, well, what are they doing? They're more exercised than we are. Amen? Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 says this in verse 14, but I believe that, but, but by now that, that we should know how to teach others, but be, by, by the exercise of our senses, knowing the difference between good and evil. And so growing in grace and allowing God work in our heart, God, this is something I want to grow in. I just don't want to just take it and just sit in it, but I want to use it. I, I want to be exercised in it. Amen? The word grace there literally means this, and if you look, there's a highlighted part in your definition. It, it means of manner, of act, or abstract contract, or figuratively, especially divine influence upon the heart. Grace means the divine influence upon your heart and upon my heart. God wants to influence our hearts. And many times, as, as I was preparing this, been praying over this this week, and I'm just thinking about it, how come people, why are we so uncomfortable with the Word of God? Why is our society, why is our culture so against this Bible being on our schools, this thing? Because no other book speaks to the heart of man. Amen. There's no other book printed on the face of the earth that speaks to the heart of man. Now, books that are written about the Word, and contain the word, and explain the word, and teach the word, they speak to our heart as well. But word, the, the word of God gets to our heart. And then if it gets to our heart, then it brings what we call conviction. And then if I, if I don't want to change my heart, if I don't want to judge, then conviction makes me uncomfortable. So in order to be uncomfortable, I think I'll just keep this from getting to me. We're doing all right? Okay. So the word of God is that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. 
Look down at Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 there in your outline. And it says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and, and in favor with God and men. That word favor is the word grace. Grace and favor go hand in hand. And so Jesus, when he grew in favor, he grew in grace. That, that's a, it's the same definition. If you go back up, you can see it there in the definition. God's grace is his favor upon our lives, producing a heart that is transformed by grace. It's the favor of God that changes our heart. Amen? The essence of grace is his divine influence then upon our heart. So these last couple of minutes, let me just ask you a few questions. Why is God so concerned about our heart? Why is your heart important to God? Why is my heart important to God? Why does grace begin its work in our heart? Amen. Jesus said like this, no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So the Spirit of God doesn't come up and grab you and draw you physically, does he? Now, he reaches in, and he begins to pull on your heart. And God begins to speak to our heart, and we feel this drawing. And, and then my heart has a stirring inside. And then I go, man, I, I need to respond to what's happening in my heart. Because my father is telling me he loves me. <laughs> Amen? And so the father starts speaking by his spirit. He starts speaking to our heart. And he says, your son should never be stronger than your dad. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but God pulls on our heart. God, God pulls on our heart. He draws us by our heart. And then all of a sudden, our heart responds to God. Are you with me? And, and that's God's grace reaches into our heart and begins to draw us and speak into our heart. He's concerned about it and begins his work there. Because of what comes out of our heart, that defiles the man. Your heart, my heart is so important. If we don't let grace do its work in our heart, and, and even as a church, this is something that we have to help. And, and, and as you hear us say all the time, in coming to Christ, we, we lead people in a prayer of repentance to come to Christ, to accept Christ as their Savior. But that's the beginning, that's not the end. It's just like our encounter weekend. This is a journey, not a destination. When God brought, we, we shared it last week in water baptism. When God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't just get them out and bring them to the edge of the Red Sea. He said, okay, guys, you guys are out, good to go. He didn't just drop them there and leave them there. He, he brought them out to take them all the way in. And that's what God does in our life. It's amazing if you read Deuteronomy chapter 8, you'll find out that, that, that the... Uh, it's recorded there that Moses declares to the nation of Israel, this is the reason that God brought you into the wilderness. One of the reasons is, in fact, just turn there. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's not our outline, but I just feel that it helps us about dealing with our heart real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Amazing statement. Verse 2, and you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, watch this, to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, 
to know what was in your heart. Isn't it amazing that the nation of Israel comes out, they watch God's miracles, they, they, they watch him perform this great deliverance, getting them out, they, they pass through the Red Sea, they watch Pharaoh, they pass through by night, they see this amazing thing, as we said last Sunday, three million people crossing the Red Sea in the middle of the night, how wide did that have to be to get three million people a couple miles across the Red Sea in just a space of a few hours at night? That had to be miles wide for all these people and all their belongings and all the stuff that's with them, livestock and, and all their provisions to get across that Red Sea and to get up on the other side. And then they turn and they see Pharaoh and his army coming with them, God knocking the wheels off their chariots, them dragging their chariots on the ground, and then watching the sea swallow up their enemies. And then they get on the other side, and in just a few days they're going, we don't have nothing to eat. We don't have nothing We don't have nothing and what is in their heart is coming out of their mouth. And so God, he says, to show, to show you to know and to reveal to us what's in our heart. How many after you got saved go, wow, where's that coming from? Wow, maybe that's in my heart. Maybe I need to let grace do a little more work in my heart. Amen? Hallelujah. Because there, there's that old saying about being saved. We are saved. We're being saved. We shall be saved. That present progressive process. We're, we're in the process. Are you with me? Yeah, salvation is complete, but us being transformed is our transformation, our seeing the fullness of it isn't complete. Praise the Lord. Amen? How many know if you're building a house, just because you lay down the first wall and you nail the wall together, just because you put a few wall, nails in the wall uh, and some two-by-fours laying on a subfloor and all that stuff, and, and, and the wall's laying there. How many know the house isn't built just because you nailed some boards and some things together? It's not done just because you started. Are you doing all right? And, and you and I are the temple of God. We're the house of God, and God is building us, and, and we're that place of his habitation. So he's, it, we're a construction progress in the process. Praise the Lord. Now watch this. So because it's what comes out, look at this next verse, Matthew 15. So Jesus said, people were concerned about washing their hands. Your disciples are eating and not washing their hands. Watch what Jesus said. Are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, or it goes through your digestive system? But those things which proceed what? Out of the mouth come from where? Okay. So when you and I speak, whatever comes out of your mouth, out of my mouth, is coming from what's in our heart. Wow. And they defile the man. Amen. So people go, man, I ain't eating this, I ain't eating that, that's defiled stuff. Well, that, that's just going to pass through you. That's not going to defile you. Doing all right? Not spiritually. Watch this. For out of the mouth proceed what? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemes, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now think about it, all the all those things. And I don't know about you, I've had to deal with some of those things and almost everything listed right there And since I've been saved. I've had to work with those thoughts and those ideas coming up in my heart and then decide how to deal with it. Matthew 12 and verse 35 in the Amplified says this, The good man from his inner good treasure flings forth good things. And the evil man out of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. 
I like the way he throws it forth. We, we don't think about it. And Jesus here, Matthew 12 was powerful because people were declaring that Jesus was casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub, by the power of Satan. By Satan, he's casting out Satan. And Jesus talked about the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. But he says, those, those things that are coming out of your mouth, that's what's defined. And that every word is what we will be held accountable for. The, the New King James says it like this. A good man out of the good treasure of his what? Heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. How many know God wants us to have a good treasure in our heart? And he gives us this great grace for that to happen. But for grace to work, you and I have to come into agreement with him. How many know you have to work in concert with God? You just have to work in agreement with God. Think about it. The heart is the seat of our emotions. How we feel about everything flows from our heart. I'm convinced of this. If God can change our hearts, he can change everything about our lives. Our, our, our whole life changes from our heart. That's why it's so powerful. I, I had so many verses going through my mind. I'm trying to narrow this down into one message. I'm like going, oh my God, we could spend six years on this. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's, uh, it's, it's just an amazing uh, thought for us to think about. How we feel about everything flows for our hearts. It shapes what we think and influences every relationship in our life, beginning with God and moving out from there. Man looks at the outside of a man but God looks at the heart of a man Proverbs tells us to guard our hearts more diligently than we guard anything else in our life many people I've watched it people have looked at people on the outside and you wouldn't have chosen them I shared it a few weeks ago when I went down to listen to Dr. Robinson uh, James Robinson and uh, who was here Pastor Samuel Rodriguez and they did a, a, a session for pastors and leaders to come together and that, and he began telling the story. His mother was an, an alcoholic and a drug addict, was raped in a, by, by, by a, a social worker, and then she, in 1947, in Texas, and she went to have an abortion. At that time, the doctor refused to do the abortion, and because of that, the baby went full term, and then he was put into foster. He lived in 17 different foster homes growing up, and, and so abandoned and rejected and discarded, and, and you would not look at him on the outside and say, okay, that's the person that I choose, that God said I will use. And you think about that, ever since uh, uh, President Carter and President Reagan and on down the line, since Jimmy Carter, uh, James Robinson has had a voice already speaking, and as he shared, he's already met with several of the presidential candidates that are in the race right now in our nation. So you look at a life, and you look at the outside, you look at how they enter, you look at everything else. We judge by the outside. Well, that person's not qualified. That person would make that. But God doesn't judge by the outside, amen? He judges by the heart. And God said, no, that's a heart, and, and, and I'll use that man because that man's heart is open to me, and I can work in that heart. And the degree that we allow to God to work in our hearts and grace to change our heart is the degree that we see God work through our lives. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. So important. So God looks at the heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 out of the New Living Translation says this, guard your hearts above what? All else. All else for it determines the course of your life. Everybody look up here. Your heart right now is determining the course of your life. How many have ever had somebody ask you for advice, you talked to them, then they just blew you off? And they go, why did you waste my time asking me? 
Amen. Because their heart has already determined, regardless of what they hear, they've already determined in their heart what they're going to do. Most of the time when people come and ask for advice for somebody, they're asking you to affirm what they've already decided to do in their heart. And if they don't hear that, they're going to blow off whatever counsel you give them. That's why I'm a terrible counselor. Amen. I mean, I help people, but most of that, you can tell when you sit down the first few minutes and people have already made up your minds like, hey, let's just go get ice cream or something because this isn't working. Amen. All right. The message Bible says it like this. Keep a vigilant watch. What? A vigilant watch over what? Your heart. Watch this. That's where life starts. And what I'm saying to you this morning, that God gives us grace because coming to Christ, accepting salvation, knowing that I'm born again, that doesn't mean that I'm finished in the work that God's doing in my life. Grace is here. If I'm supposed to be strengthened by that inner grace, as Paul said, if I'm supposed to grow in grace, then grace is going to do its work in my heart. Your heart, my heart, needs a lot of work. Amen. As long as we're in this body, we're going to be working on this. The treasure of our heart is shaped by the seeds, words, and thoughts, and ideas that are sown and spoken into our life. How many know today we're inundated by words nonstop? We're inundated with media devices. We're inundated. We're just connected nonstop to words. The question is, are you connect, how, many were, how much of God's word are you connected into proportion of all the other words? Because every word is a seed that's being sown in your heart that's shaping your heart. How many have noticed that uh, uh, if whatever age or generation you grew up in, I grew up in the best music generation ever. In the 60s and the 70s, glory to God. And that, and so, which is still the only oldie station that really works. I mean, I've listened to 80s oldies, and it's like weird, so, <laughs> it's weird music and stuff, and then by the night, but in the 60s and the 70s, man, that's good music. But it's amazing that I go back and listen, to <laughs> I can go back and listen to, I've tried to listen to rap, I just can't figure out what they're saying. I mean, I like the beat, and I can do that, but I just can't, but, but anyway, you go back and you listen, you, you, you can hear a song that you haven't heard Pastor Sue and I were driving, and, and, and a song came on the other day, and we're driving, and what was that song we were singing? It was something, but, and, and we, next thing you know, we're holding hands singing a love song to each other. We haven't listened to it for years. But we're, we're both singing the word, but wait a minute, where, where, where are those words at? They got sown in our heart, and, and they're there, and it can just come back out, and, and, and as easy as the song can come back out, the bad stuff can come out too. And so if we're, if we're not changing what's being sown into our heart, and then we get done, wait a minute, I'm saved. Where's this coming from? How's that happen? Because we didn't let grace do its work in our hearts. Doing okay? So those things are, are spoken, words, thoughts, and ideas sown in our hearts. In other words, what we hear and allow to be stored in our hearts will shape the value system of our lives. Can I just tell you, the world knows this. The world knows this. And those things will form the treasure of our hearts. When God comes to us, he comes by sowing the seeds of his word into our heart. Jesus spoke the parable of the sower. And the devil knows the power of a transformed heart and comes to steal the only thing that can change the heart, the word of God sown into a clean heart, saved and empowered by God's grace. So why do we need the power of God's grace to transform our lives? Because it's not easy to give up the treasure of our hearts, even when it's contrary to our own well-being. Amen. Even I've watched people, oh, you need to change. Well, 
that thought process, that way of feeling, that's contrary to your wellness, to, you, to, to your very life. Yeah, but that's the treasure of my heart. Even when it's bad, it's hard to give it up. So it takes grace. We need to allow God's grace the same way that we are. We understand that we are saved not by works of ourselves. So I can't work and do it. I need to agree with the power of grace, the divine influence upon my heart. God, have your way. I need to declare it. I need to yield myself. God, let your grace begin to work in my heart. I, I, I yield to having my mind transformed, renewing my mind to your word. I want to hear your word. I need my, 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 my heart changed, my thought changed, so my relationships will change. Somebody say amen. David knew his need for a clean and a new heart. He knew his problem lied inside of him, not outside of him. Inside, not outside. For that, he needed God's grace. He needed God's grace for that. Think about it. David's out there on the balcony, and he should have been out with, with, with where the kings were, but he's watching Bathsheba bathe, and then he turns around, and, and he goes, he gets in all this trouble, and he goes, I know what I need, taller walls on my balcony. No, he, he didn't try to do things outwardly. He says, the thing that got me in trouble is what I let take root in my heart. And so he asked for God's grace. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalms 51 to me, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. See, we always try to deal with the issues of our lives from outward perspective, believing that if we change things in the people around us, our lives will be better. How many of you ever heard people change their job just because they didn't like the people they were working with? And then they got a new job. Maybe you did that down through the year. Changed jobs several times, and you found out every time I changed a job, it seems like the same people follow me and work there. All the problems I thought I was getting away of, they just showed up in a different form. Same problem, but just in a different body, it seemed like. And so because we're trying to change outwardly instead of inwardly. My pastor used to have the greatest statement. Brotherhood had the greatest statement. Because it always spoke to our heart. We'd have issues. We'd deal with different things. And, and Brotherhood was challenged. He said, Don, you can either be small or you can be big like God. The only place you can be big like God is in your heart. Be big like God in your heart. When you deal with situations, be big. Well, where, how am I supposed to be big? By God's grace in my heart, I can be bigger than the person that's obnoxious. I can be bigger than any circumstance. I, I can be the big person in the room. How many know what I'm saying? How many have ever seen a situation and they've been in a room and it's all tore up and at least just one adult, you wish just one adult would show up? <laughs> Amen. Wouldn't it be nice if just one person was bigger than the situation in this room? Amen. Are we doing all right this morning? God has grace for our heart. But think about it. We think if I relocate, change jobs, change partners, change friends, change hairstyle, if I only had a new fill in the blank with just about anything, but it will not change your life because nothing outside of us changes our heart. And our life flows out from our hearts as the worship team comes back, please. See, we don't have people problems. We have heart problems. Your problem, my problem is not the people around me. Moses said, God, why'd you give me these people? 
Amen. But it was his heart that was the issue. Watch this. God's grace gives me a heart to deal with people whose hearts have not been touched by His grace. God's grace gives you and me a heart that's big enough to deal with people whose hearts have not been transformed by grace. Amen? That's really what He does in our lives. We don't have people problems. We have a heart problem. The way we perceive everything and everyone in life is determined by the treasure that's in our hearts. Perspective and perceptions about life flow from our heart. I'm amazing how my perceptions change the more I allow God's grace to work upon my heart. God always begins with and deals with our heart, knowing that if we will allow Him to change what's in us, it will change everything around us. It's amazing what happens when my heart changed, changes, how much everything around me changes. When I get locked into a viewpoint or perspective, so many things, I'm, you know, you just get locked in. But life changes when God can change our heart. With our hearts, the Bible says we believe unto righteousness and confess our salvation. Mark 11, 23 and 24 Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he said. When you and I allow God's grace to work in our heart, it removes doubt. And then faith can rise up and speak. Amen? When we allow our hearts to be transformed by the power of his grace, we live free of condemnation. And find new boldness and confidence in God. Look at this last scripture with me. 1 John, in verse 3. John writes, he says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. For by this we know that we are of the truth. And shall assure our what? Our hearts. Before him. For if our what? heart condemns us God is greater than our heart and knows all things beloved if your heart doesn't if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence towards God God's grace comes and works in our heart and there's so much we could do I had so much that I could throw in here this morning and just speak on and to challenge us every James says that we're not to say we're tempted by God. For every man is tempted and drawn away by his own lust, his own desires. And those things are in our hearts. We conceive that. And it's God. The psalmist said that God will give you, delight yourself in the Lord, and God will give you what? The desires of your heart. Or God changes what our heart desires. When we live for God, we let grace do its work. It's amazing how the things we desire in life change. Desires change. Amen. As I was preparing for this this morning, you know what the difference between love and lust is? Lust is just love turned sideways. It's taken a natural desire made unnatural desires. It's natural things. It's God-given things. 
if you think about everything concerning the relationship between men and women and all the lust that's connected to that, the, 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 the twisting of that. Yet God made that. And, and our society is twisted by that. I mean, know what I'm saying? And so it's a, and, and the devil knows if I can just turn it, and if I can get a heart to receive that and make that the treasure of a heart, then they'll miss the good. So then God just comes and he turns that back and puts everything back where it's supposed to be by the power of grace. Amen? And many times because even in relationships, couples come together and out of brokenness and out of wounds and out of being around people who didn't have hearts that were made holy in God, they, they were used and abused and lusted after but never loved. And so then when they come into relationship, they don't know how to respond. And so they need a transformed heart to love them. Look at this. Whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us command. How many know it takes grace to love people? Amen. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and for your grace. Lord, every one of us in this room needs our heart transformed. We need to be changed. Every one of us in this room this week have dealt with areas and issues that have come up in our life and became a challenge to our heart, how we would respond. Every one of us this week has had to check our words. We've had to pause and think about what we were going to say. Maybe we've had to ask forgiveness for what we didn't pause in saying. We said and then wish we hadn't said it. We thought and wish we hadn't thought it. We act and wish we hadn't acted. Now, Father, we need your grace continually working in our lives. Would you just stand with me this morning? I thank you, Lord, that your grace is given to us to grow in. Not to be static in, but to be growing in. Father, I know there are those here, including myself, that need the work of your grace in their heart. I just felt the Lord tell me to do this as we were worshiping this morning. So many times we ask you to bow your heads, raise your hand, and do all that. This morning... I'm going to ask you just to respond to God's grace. And as they lead us, I ask them to sing this song. This is my desire to worship you. To give you all that I have. And maybe this morning you know you just need God's transforming grace. That if you would look at your life, look at circumstances, situations, and say, God, it's not outward that's areas that I need change. I need more of the transforming power of your grace working in my own individual heart. When I got saved, what changed my life wasn't the fact that I prayed a prayer with anybody. It's that I knelt down someplace and I literally gave my heart and my entire life to God. So as they lead this, maybe you need to take a moment. And that's why an altar is so important that you move to a place of prayer. You move out of the comfort zone of where you are into a place maybe you would just bow and just you one-on-one -on -one with God. You take a one-on-one -on -one moment with God before you walk out this building this morning. And let God's grace come upon you. Great grace and favor is available to you. And God wants you to grow in His grace. He wants you to be changed and transformed by His grace. So if they lead us, and you feel the Holy Spirit moving on your heart in any way this morning, 
Would you just respond and maybe come find a place of prayer and just spend a moment, you and God alone, let grace work in your heart this morning. In Jesus' name, go ahead.